Welcome to The Grounded Catholic, the podcast of Catholic Who's at the University of Virginia. I am Father Joseph Anthony Cress, and on today's episode, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, John Cronstein, as we talk about the reality of racism, the reality of this sin of racism in our nation, in our church, in our own lives. We hope that this conversation that we have is a uh, a step or the next step in combating this evil and can help to be a beginning point or another step of assisting those and our listeners to having these conversations in their own circles and their own friends and their families. We also uh, deeply entrust this this cause, this issue, this pain of racism and its many effects in our lives. We entrust that to the Holy Spirit that he may bring about healing and unity in all these many areas so that we may truly be one as is the desire of our Lord Jesus. For our listeners out there, uh, we are. I have a special guest on this episode tonight. Corinne is out of town, so I had to uh, call somebody in from the bullpen, uh, get a get a closer <laughs> in this. Uh, it's a good friend of mine, John Cronstein uh, from Charlottesville, is with us. So, John, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm glad Corinne is on vacation, so the bullpen can get some action tonight. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a good thing, but. Uh, just give give me a rundown for our listeners, you know, um, kind of where we met and like you, you have years of experience in ministry um, as well as both in the Catholic Church, but also in education. Uh, so just give us a little brief overview on on your your experience and who you are and all that fun stuff. Sure. So uh, Father Joseph and I met here in Charlottesville and. We found out, though, that we have kind of these crazy connections through Franciscan University of Steubenville. <laughs> Some great chaperoning stories, but that's for a different podcast. Yeah, totally Not different episode. <laughs> um, and have some unique connections there, which is really cool. It, it truly is a small world, especially in the Catholic circle. Oh my gosh. tiny. Uh, but uh, here in Charlottesville, I've had the pleasure of working in youth ministry, um, not just here, but in different parishes around the diocese, doing music ministry um, for a long, long time. And uh, so that's my church world. Um, currently serve as interim director of worship at one of the parishes here in Charlottesville. And my day job um, for the past decade has been in education as a teacher, as a student um, going back to school, and then now most recently as a counselor. And so I work in the city schools at an upper elementary school, which is a unique structure with fifth and sixth graders and so do some school-based counseling and intervention and have some good times with some 10 11 12 year olds oh my gosh god bless you for that um i i love working with college students um we got a helicopter flying over top so little uh you know <laughs> Sorry, special the, effects uh, right now we're in the uh flight pattern for pegasus the uh mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. paramedic flight crew to uva hospital right behind us yeah so um you know, God bless whoever is in that uh, chopper. May you heal them. Uh, the divine physician does amazing things. Um, but yeah, so the reason that, that we're getting together tonight and, and kind of recording this is um, because we've gone through uh, a lot in the last few years, but especially um, kind of watching uh, a lot of the events that have been unfolding around the death of uh, George Lloyd 
and is something that we both uh, care about and wanted to kind of take an opportunity to talk a- about, um, both from our ministry perspective, but also just of who we are and our own mm-hmm. experience and just dealing with uh, the effects of racism um, in, in our world, in our church, dealing and seeing how, how that sin um, has really kind of infected uh, so much of our our life, our culture, and, and our days. And as we were talking before we started recording, you know, we, here in Charlottesville, we, we, we saw what happened two years ago um, with the, the protests that turned violent and the harm, the death that ensued because of, um, because of racial injustice and in, in, in what that took or what form that ended up taking. And now, two years later, we're we're back here, and we talked about that. And it's 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 a hard thing to to go through and experience. But then we take that step further back and kind of look at ourselves, and we're like, we've experienced this with a two year gap in between kind of headline events. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also something that um, you know our friends, our our African American friends, that they see on a weekly basis a daily basis and it's hard for us to take with a two-year gap but this is so common in the daily life of so many of those that we're friends with and that we love and we don't really think about so we want to take this opportunity to kind of begin a discussion and talk about um what do we do in the midst of just overt racism what do we do with it uh with in the midst of implicit racism and and where are we going um as a church, where are we going as Christians, as Catholics in the midst of all of this? And so that's a lot uh, to throw out there <laughs> uh, right Sit now. Sit back for the three-hour podcast, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. right? Uh, that's a lot right now, but we do want to just begin this conversation discussion with it. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's so funny that we can get so... You began talking about, you know, our ministry experience and things like that. And for me, it's it's the step before that. I have been sitting here in the past couple of days trying to take all my hats off, my education hat, my ministry hat, even my, I'm a dad and so my father hat, I'm a husband, so my, my husband hat, and just look like, what am I feeling right now? Yeah. Because there's still so much raw emotion tied to those two years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in some ways seems like yesterday and then in some ways seems like a decade ago which is another thing I know we'll get to and talk about but when you reached out the first thought went like oh this is great like two white guys sitting around talking about these issues facing uh, people of color but then I stopped and I said no that that's right two white guys need to sit here and talk about our brothers and sisters yeah and then put all of our other hats on with it, right? The hats come back on. So two Christians, two Catholic Christians, two people involved in ministry, two people who love and care deeply about all people and mm-hmm. what that means, but especially right now talking about our black and brown brothers and sisters and what they're experiencing without trying to trivialize or even define it. Because, um, yes, we're, we're sitting here in Charlottesville, um, 
and but this was our backyard and this was the backyard for racism to transplant but then i think some people would say no no no, it still is the backyard right like this this still is um and so the first step has to be to me and i'm like where where like where is my heart and mind at right now what am i thinking with everything that i'm seeing and feeling and i like you my first thought was man like that was just two years ago and then i was like wait a second that was two years ago for me but to the kid who I work with, this is what they experience every day because of things that they report back to me and talk to me about the lived experiences of them and their family. Yeah, it's it's sobering, mm-hmm. um, I think, from for us to be there. But um, one of the things that I've learned in my short four years as a priest is that when these um, when these moments happen and you see these tragedies and you see a tragic loss of life um and there is a that kind of outrage at that um we may not have all the answers to that we may not um be able to have the solutions ready at the hand um but we we do have to be able to step into that and say yes we acknowledge and we see and we hear and you know what mm. i want to hear more yeah and this is not something that I, I don't want to talk about. You know, it is hard to talk about because that, that, that means that I have to do some soul searching at the same time. But you know what? I, I do see it and, and I do hear the cries and, um, you know, you're not alone in mm-hmm. the midst of that. And it's been, it's been hard to kind of um, take the time to, to formulate what's the best thing to say. And I remember... I was talking to, gosh, I was talking to one of my brothers who was getting ready to ordain, get ordained. Um, I think, uh, I forget if it was before his diaconate or his priesthood ordination. And I was like, listen, man, um, nobody, we, we were talking about doing funerals. And I said, the reality is nobody really remembers what you say at a funeral homily unless you say something really bad and idiotic. Mm-hmm. What they're going to remember is that you were there for them. So yeah, you show up to the wake, and yes, you show up to the hospital bed, and you show up to those things, and don't worry about your eloquence or anything like that. And I, I kind of feel the same way right now, is because I don't really know what to say. Man, I'm at a loss of words. But what I do want to say is, you know, w- this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been going on for a while, and maybe um, it it has you know, snowballed to what we're seeing currently, but racism is not okay. Racial injustice is not of God in any sense. And we can't be okay with that, and we're not. And maybe I don't have the right words, and maybe I'm not the most eloquent right now. That's okay, because I wanna wanna be able to be here and, and take the next steps. I think you just made the statement of the night in the sense of, I hope anyone listening almost rewinds it back to that statement and it's not something you brought up during the beginning when you and I were just chatting before we turned everything on but I think it defines everything that you don't have to have the words and so many times in any kind of event that we are unfamiliar with and I go back to that as a white male there are experiences that I have no idea of and will never understand and I can use that as my excuse and I can say, oh, well, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. not going to say. And th- that in and of itself 
is a first piece that you have to check within yourself and mm-hmm. say, well, wait a second, but why? Why don't I know? Why don't I know? Or just saying like, I don't, I don't know, but I want, I want to know. Mm-hmm. Help me understand. We were, I was talking with some of my teachers this week and um, trying to help them because, you know, this is the last week of school for us here in Charlottesville and we'll close out with the kids and like everyone across the country, you know, we've, we're not face to face with them. It's really hard not to be face to face with them when this kind of stuff is going on, especially given what our kids have seen here in Charlottesville. It's destroying us. It really is eating us up. And so I'm bringing the, some of the teachers together tomorrow who want to talk. And I was formulating this email to them this morning. And I was trying to be, just like you said, I was trying, I was like, oh, I have to have the right words. And I have to be eloquent. And I have to, um, it has to all kind of hit and fire. And I said, and I stopped and I, and I deleted everything that I'd written. <laughs> I just wrote, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what to say right yeah. now. I just know we need to talk about the issue. And the issue is racism is real. Mm-hmm. I hope to see you tomorrow. That's all I knew what to say. But that felt more genuine than the four paragraphs of random just junk that I had written before. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that was truer to where my heart and mind are at this moment. Yeah, it's um, I'm I'm almost okay with being impoverished with words because there's an authenticity in that, and we're we're talking tonight and we're we're saying a lot of words tonight, uh, <laughs> but um, you know I we I know for you and and I speak for myself on this that um, this is this is the the next step and i i know personally the f- probably the beginning for me was 2 years ago where it it became too real to ignore hmm. um and i knew it was real i could see it but it was always at an arm's length and when that kind of evil um infects and invades your hometown it became too real to ignore um, and that's where George, um, you know, George Floyd's death and the, the, the brutality of that is, is just kind of too real to ignore. And this is the next step in that for, for me personally, but it, cause it has to be this continuation, um, because it doesn't stop. Hmm. And the reason why it doesn't stop is because racism wants to divide, it wants to destroy, it wants to dehumanize and rip apart the dignity of people because all we see are exterior differences, you know? And that is not the Lord's desire for us. That was not his desire when he, he created us out of his love. And that is not his desire as he sustains us, guides us, um, you know, provides for us. He, he's given us his very dignity and his image that is imprinted on our souls. I mean, today's gospel was talking about where the Lord said, render to Caesar what is to Caesar and to God what is God. And he uses the coin that says, whose image is on this? Whose inscription is on this? Okay, then give it back to that person. Hmm. Well, when I look at you and I say, okay, whose image is that? Whose image is imprinted on this this person in front of me? 
whose whose inscription is on his heart, her heart. Well, I need to I need to give that back to that person. It's it's the Lord's, right? The Lord writes His law upon our hearts. He's He's given us His very image and breathed His life into us. And if we if we are not convicted of that, of every single person that we come across, every single day, it's going to continue. When it's the ultimate pro-life issue. Oh my gosh! What you just said. I mean, preach it. My my prayer is that because our bishops are actually weaving this in everything they've been saying in the past forty eight hours is they've been constantly referring it back to this being a pro life issue and racism being a pro life issue. And if we are not willing to call that out as Catholics to one another, because we start talking about those steps, right? So we had that initial like first looking within yourself and saying, Where am I at with this right now? What am I feeling? Am I feeling? And then why am I feeling like not just being okay with those feelings and then saying like, you know what? I need to find somebody else and talk about these feelings with somebody who I know I can be genuine and authentic with of where I'm coming from. But somebody who I know is also going to be like, well, tell me about that. Like, and and be okay with challenging what I had to say if, if, you know, I'm still in my processing mind, but it's that next step of how do we challenge one another to a degree of like, as Catholics, we got, (laughs) we got to start being comfortable with being like, no, no, no. Pro-life is not just the womb. Like, we can't say that we care about you so much in the womb, and please don't hear this as we shouldn't, yep. right? Like, right. absolutely, we should be protecting that sacred life and that dignity that cannot protect itself. Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't stop as soon as that child takes a breath. Yeah. Let alone, we can't say, well, as soon as that black or brown child takes a breath, well, now that's that goes in this lane. No. We are all created in the image and likeness. All. And so where that then takes up for us as Catholic Christians is racism is 100% a pro-life issue. And we have to react as such. We have to. It's, it's, this is built upon um, the truths that God has revealed to us. And um, we've talked a lot. And this, isn't, this is not God's will. I think, w- w- I mean, if, if there's anything that we continually like get back to and reiterate, but this is not God's will, but God is not separate from it. He's speaking in the midst of this. And I find the clarity of his voice in the fact that 48 hours ago, we, pr- we celebrated Pentecost Sunday, the giving forth of the Holy Spirit to us in a time where we're experiencing the, the, uh, I don't know, the ramifications of division and injustice and all of these things. We need the Holy Spirit more than we ever did. Mm. We need to turn to him. We need to devote ourselves to him. Beg him, come renew the face of the earth. Come renew the face of my heart for crying out loud, you know. Mm. But in the giving of the Holy Spirit, the very first action of the Holy Spirit was then to send the apostles out to speak to the nations to draw all the nations all the different races those people had just the, killed jesus yeah or or you know screamed for him to be crucified they said no no no, no. now you're going to go out there yeah go out to the people that yeah just 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 killed you know your lord and by the way they're in in acts chapter two goes through the list of, in the geography they're from Rome. They're from the Medes. They're the Parthians. They're from Asia. They're from. They just run through the list of the geography of the world mm-hmm. and said they're all there. And the Holy Spirit brought them into a unity. 
And if there's anything more divisive than what we're going through right now, then um, we need something that can draw us into a unity. Mm-hmm. And and we're still, you know, in the kind of old school octave of Pentecost. And yes. so let's, in one sense, let's turn to him, beseech him, let, let that breath of fresh air, let the fire of the Holy Spirit first set our hearts on fire for... Um, for this justice, for this unity that I think we all deep within our hearts know we're made for, mm-hmm. know we're long for, but also can recognize that we can't accomplish that of our own accord. Um, well, I think that's the symbol and that's the sign, right? Because mm-hmm. some might say, well, how do I know that I'm like on this continuum of those steps or when's that next ladder? And in some ways it's not that, right? Because it's a developing cycle and we're always checking and mm-hmm. and checking in and Hopefully you surround yourself just like with anything with people who will will be honest with you and will um, help you grow in your holiness. And it's that if you will know you are on fire with the Holy Spirit when you cannot contain this message of peace and justice and solidarity and unity and love, you'll know you're ready to then. And and that doesn't mean you're ready to go and and stand and hold a sign. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're not ready to stand in like a protest and that's okay if that's not where you are. Mm-hmm. But just like how the disciples, if they would have stayed in that upper room, would the church be what it is today? Would the message of the salvation of Jesus Christ have been proclaimed to the nations? No. And in the same way, we have to check within ourselves when we're ready to proclaim that love of Christ and to call this what it is, this sin, this 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 plague this filth and say no this isn't of god and you know how it's not of god because there's not fr- there, there's not good fruit here yeah. there's not love here none of it and so if we're not willing to then go out to what we see around us and to start looking at our individual choices and to look at who we surround ourselves with and why and just asking those great questions then maybe we're not there yet. We need to spend our own internal reflection and seeking him and truly see going to prayer and, and bringing that to uh, some, some better, bigger fruit and fruition. But the Holy Spirit does, you know, mobilize us in a real sense, right? The Holy Spirit's never stagnant. Mm. Look, look at all the different um, images and, and uh, you know, symbols that are used for the Holy Spirit. It's, it's always a dove in flight. It's fire that's always dancing around. Mm-hmm. It's the wind that's rushing around. Like the, the Holy Spirit moves. Mm-hmm. It's never stagnant. Stagnation breeds disease, mm-hmm. right? The Holy Spirit is, is active and, and moves us. Um, moves our hearts to something greater. Um, but that's a terrifying question to ask the Holy Spirit. That's a terrifying request, right? Mm-hmm. Is Lord move me to maybe, gosh, dare I say, to areas that I'm uncomfortable? Move me to look back on myself and where maybe I already have prejudices and that I still act upon them. Mm-hmm. You know, give me insight, give me the truth to acknowledge those things within me so that I can move past them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's things that we have even take it, taken for granted in our own little decisions that we think maybe don't mean a whole big deal, but we look back and we're like, wait a second, that was a moment, mm-hmm. or this was a moment. Mm-hmm. And, and I like what you said about it being 
a little scary, right? Like yeah, it's terrifying. We, we tell kids all the time, as a former youth minister, it's so interesting. We tell kids, it's like, pray that your heart be conformed <laughs> to Jesus's. And I look back at that and I think like as a high schooler being like, what? No, that dude, no. like, what? What are you trying to tell me? Like right now, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm just terrible. trying to pass English. Like, what are you doing, <laughs> man? Like, no, but see, like, but yes. And, and, and now when we're getting to that point of like, no, like, pray that my heart is conformed to your Lord to yours Lord and that's real like you look back at your youth ministers who've been telling you that or your RCIA or your catechists or CCD if you really want to go back a little bit or your college chaplain or your (laughs) (laughs) if we got any of those out there yeah just a hypothetical um (laughs) but like that that's why is because until that is our prayer that we have that level of conversion because my prayer shouldn't be, well, give me the heart of Father Joseph Anthony. No. Give me the heart of my campus minister. Give me the heart of, like, because that person, we don't know where they are on their walk. And again, they could be great and holy and wonderful people leading us to Jesus. But if the, if they're doing that, it's almost like Mary. You know, she always points us to Jesus. Always. She She humbles herself. And our hope is that anyone who's in a position of authority or teaching is doing the same they're humbling themselves and saying no 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 his heart Mm -hmm. his heart his will and the holy spirit will push and it's in it and it is those images for a reason and i think it's a beautiful um completely overlooked um person in the trinity right because and i and i wonder if it's because we're scared of it scared of the unknown of the holy spirit but then scared of the fact that the holy spirit is always moving like it's not a still like it's it's a push mm-hmm. it's it's funny that you say that that like the holy spirit's kind of unknown and unrecognizable in some senses you know we have some idea who the father is we all have fathers you know um some good some bad but at least we have an idea you know we all have a friend we all have a sibling right and we know how to how to interact with jesus but man, Holy Spirit, was he, you know, a ghost? So like, it, it's challenging in that sense. And I think there is a little bit of a fear to then uh, totally abandon ourselves to the Holy Spirit. But we need not fear that because it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's a gift for our good. And the Lord said, you know, it is better that I go because I want to send you the Spirit um, to to confirm and remind you of all the things that I taught you. And what did he teach us? He taught us that salvation's available to everybody. That each and every person was made in his his love, his image, and that nobody is outside of anything. What did he teach us? He said, "Love your neighbor as yourself." Mm. Right? And sometimes have we not said that one yet? I know. That's why that's why I was like we we got to make sure that we 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 jot that in here, but it's it's so true that you know, sometimes we we forget when we um when we disproportionately love our neighbor or disproportionately or uh, not disproportionately but when, when there's um when there's um gosh i can't i, I can't think of the word i want to use right now but when there's kind of uh an obsession with self love there's typically um a manifold obsession of of external hatred and lack of love of neighbor right mm-hmm. um 
because they're there's this kind of obsession with the self mm-hmm. in in that sense and that ability to open up towards the other is a defining moment in most people's lives and you can read about in tremendous lives of the saints that when they took that first step and that first tor- tur- turn toward the other it it changes the perspective and helps us then to for the first time see with the eyes of god and not the eyes of man Mm -hmm. you know there's a the lord speaking to samuel in the book of samuel he says you know for for the lord does not see as mortals do mortals uh, see only the exterior appearances but the god god sees to the heart Mm -hmm. because he sees the reflection of himself in that person and i think that's that's something that like that line from for samuel has continually stuck with me for years but took on such a challenging aspect in my life two years ago and then now again is to see as god sees Mm -hmm. that is something that uh is a very common trope uh with dominicans you'll find a lot that grace raises us up to the perspective of god it gives us a god's eye point of view this is what grace does in our life and we love grace as dominicans we preach it and teach it and it's great and i love it but so too is human justice one of the one of the, I think the crowning moments of the Dominican order was Bartolome de las Casas, um, a, a Dominican who set sail um, from Europe, landed in South America, was taught and informed and like guided by his fellow Dominicans in Salamanca, in the University of Salamanca, about human dignity and the dignity of every single human person. And he landed in South America and went straight to the docks where the um, the slave ships were unloading and fought for the dignity of the each and every person that was that t- was unloaded from those ships he was the first one to defend the dignity of slaves and because we understand that grace raises up to a god's eye point of view and what do we see we see the creator in each and every person in front of us hmm. and if, if we don't step into this this tragedy now if we don't step into this and you know avail ourselves to the holy spirit to say let us see like you see lord not with these eyes these mortal eyes but let me see with your divine eyes of love and mercy give me your perspective so that i can not only see with eyes of love and mercy but i can love with a heart that has been rent open for for your love mm. See, and there's a piece of what you talked about that I hope, again, people rewind after this part because I'm going to do a little like loop-de-loo, you we turn here because there's something, there's often a missing piece in that love your neighbor as yourself. And when we start talking about racism and injustice and injustice, and especially as a white person, we often will become so obsessed and infatuated with making sure to almost self-deprecate ourselves to the point of like this idea and i would be remiss if we didn't talk about for a second this idea of white guilt and as a counselor we do a lot of reflection on Mm. on this this piece within our own racial identity and develop that sometimes but the rabbit hole there is you can get caught in that um just kind of riptide if you will of guilt 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 
versus recognizing your own dignity and then what you can then do. Mm. Because if you just get caught up in that idea of like, well, no, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. It's like, no, you are something because you are made in the image of likeness because you are loving your neighbor as yourself. Because if you don't have that self, that, that godless selfless love that then you can give to somebody else, then are you truly giving of God? Or you actually, there's, there's almost like a, a weird wicked pride in that to where you, you're wallowing and sometimes we can get caught into guilt and say, well, I can't do anything because I'm not a person of color. I right. don't know that perspective. And it's, and again, that's where you stop and say, well, why do you, why, tell me more about that. Like, what are you thinking about that? Where's that coming from? Mm-hmm. What are the pieces that you've seen that have formulated that view to where you feel like you don't have a say? If that's the case, then let's open the dictionary of things then that you then aren't allowed to talk about because that's not you, right? right. And that's not a thing we are called to to stand up for our brother and sister to take that leap of faith to take that step into the unknown to even if it's just saying like it's almost coming first full circle back to the beginning right like i don't i don't know teach me yeah help me to understand like yeah. it's that prayer of saint francis right like god pray that i may seek to understand versus be understood mm-hmm. that in and of itself is so powerful and I think would be refreshing to some and maybe, n- maybe not, but it, it, it's at least a step, it's a right? Step. It's, it's a step. I mean, it's a movement. Like we talk about that movement, man. Like we have to have movement within that. Right. And I, I think that as we, as we kind of can continue on and we don't know what the future holds for us. Um, but we do know that, in, in many sen- senses, um, there's that cry that, like, well, it can't stay the same way. Like, something has to change. And this is where you and I have talked about, like, well, what changes? I mean, there's so many things that can change that would be great, um, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. And all that we know that we can change is um, how we live. And I think that's where this kind of movement begins. Mm-hmm. is it has to begin individually it has to begin with you and i kind of uh interacting with each other and setting the tone interacting with those that the lord has entrusted to us interacting with the stranger that comes across our path and in setting that tone and saying okay how do i see this person and like i mean as we, as we talked about earlier is kind of asking those questions of what maybe what are, what are those uh prejudice, prejudices that i already have and let me acknowledge that within me so that I can be aware of that and check that mm-hmm. uh, so that I can not, that not be a barrier to love my neighbor then. Um, but there's that experiential knowledge is a real knowledge. We don't want to undercut that, but we don't want to actually, um, you know, put that on steroids, steroids to be something greater than what it is. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, y- you know, you and I don't have an experiential knowledge of what it is to be a person of color. Um, but what we do have is knowledge that is gained from faith, and that is just as real knowledge. You know what that knowledge proclaims to you, to me, and to every single person? Is that we, we bear tremendous dignity for being a human person. Mm. We have a greater dignity in being a human than sometimes the angels. And that's every single person that we encounter. And I, I forget that a lot. I don't remind myself of that a lot. I wish I would remind myself of that, you know, when I'm checking out at Wegmans instead of just like getting my stuff and trying to get out of there as soon as possible. Why don't I, you know, spend some time and love the cashier? Mm-hmm. 
and just be kind. That's an awesome first step, Father. You know, we because this whole time, you know, because I'm a, I'm a practical person, right? Yeah, I need like, same here. all right, I listen to this. All right, I'm a little bit more woke. So now what? <laughs> like, okay, so where, where do I go? And that's such an easy first step of every person you encounter. And again, making sure you check in with yourself and making sure looking back on your day, how many people of color that did I encounter? And maybe I looked the other way or maybe I didn't engage with because of fear of whatever within me or what's going on. Or, but well, just fear saying, of uncomfortability, hey, how are you? right? Right. But I, I find more often than not, especially in this time of masks where we can't like it's hard. It's a little bit harder to read facial expressions, and body language. But it's amazing how sterile people have become. And so when you're that person who just says, hey, how are you? And you, you see them kind of like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Or, or, all right, thank you. You know, you, you kind of see them smile a little bit. And that brief moment of joy just is an intro for a conversation, right? Of just who they are as a human, right? Like, we're not saying you jump into every conversation like, hey, person I just met at the checkout line, like, tell me about your experience of being black. Yeah. What's that like for you? You know, it's like, How is that uh, for you? I'm, right. I'm about to go on lunch right now. Like, I'm not trying yeah, to... <laughs> I'm not trying to write your dissertation for you, right? But then, I mean, we, we both work in churches, and I also work in a school, and we have these groups of people. And I think I would also encourage everyone here, whoever your circle is, whether that's a family circle, whether that's maybe a small group from ministry that you're still connected with, God, that's beautiful. If, if that's if that's true and God is in that, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. Maybe it's, your fam- maybe it's your friend group. Maybe it's a one friend. Maybe it's a relationship like you and your significant other right now. That's a moment to say hey let's can we talk about this yes please can we just can we just talk yeah because i think a lot of people will be immediate to say like oh well listen to this podcast or read this article or go check out this book and follow this person on on twitter and sure do those things i'm not saying there's anything bad but let's just start with what do you think seek to grow right and and just process your feelings and and talk about that experience and then start to put yourself in the mind of like well I wonder what this feels like for the people in, you know, in Minneapolis who, you know, what's it like for that person who was holding the camera, filming, watching I know. I know. the I death that, unfold. Right. And, and this person who I have to believe was sitting there wanting with all every fiber there being to jump in and rip this officer off, but then fearing their own life or, or not knowing, you know, their circumstances to what, but like they're sitting here and they filmed the death of this child of God and what emotion, like, what does that carry? Yeah. You know, so I think, like, that's, and that may be soft for some of you, but that that's the real first step is process your own feelings then with somebody in your circle or a larger group if, you're, if you have that benefit so that you can start to have these real conversations. Yeah. I think it's, we, that's a terrifying that's a terrifying endeavor, I think, for a lot of us. And we've, the issues of isolation and loneliness also start to prey upon that, mm. right? And saying, no, 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 don't do that. Or um, y- like you were saying, the, this kind of understanding of like, well, who are you to think you can do that? And then you revert back into isolation. And the last thing you want to do is talk about it with another person. And I think not being afraid to to discuss this like we like you said we don't need to like you know talk to every single person in the grocery store and it's like oh what do you think about race now like but 
we have to have to have to start having these conversations with it with amongst our friends with amongst our families uh, not being afraid of bringing this up because we have to bring it out of the darkness and into the light mm-hmm. and in that endeavor of letting the light of christ shine upon this and having the discussion real honest discussions about um how we love our neighbor and how we are striving to see more with the eyes of God than with mortal eyes, you know, it is going to be the first step. And it's, it's something that cannot, and it will not stop because it has to be a constant thing. And that's where the last, maybe my, my last advice, cause we're going to wrap up here in a few seconds. Um, my, my, my last advice is once we get to that place and we start to have those conversations, we have to invite the Holy spirit into that. It has to be guided by the Holy spirit It has to be, um, you know, protected by the Holy Spirit. Because if we do this well and we start these conversations, um, it takes courage to do. And it will end with unity. Mm. It will end in a real Pentecost celebration where the nations come together and we become one again as the children of God. What does that change so that we're not sitting here two years from now saying, hey, remember two years ago when we were talking about George Floyd? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Father, that's so crucial that this has to be done with, in, and through the power of God and the calling of the Holy Spirit to protect, to insulate our hearts where they are now so that they conform and that they remain on fire and changed. Yeah, I mean, this is the work of hatred, division, destruction. That's the evil one. The work of God is unity, love, um, justice, and we we can't embark on that de- endeavor by ourselves. Mm. We have to, you know, uh, allow, invite him in, beseech him that his work be done. But the amazing thing is, in his wisdom beyond belief, he wants us to participate in that same work. And that's why we can't stay silent. That's why we can't sit back and just say, okay, Lord, yes, this doesn't sound good. This isn't what we want, but you do your thing. Mm -hmm. Like he's a magician. No, God in his wisdom loves us too dang much. He respects us and he sees himself in us and he sees the dignity that each one of us has in each one of our brothers and sisters out there have. And he wants us to work together um, to participate in his work of redemption and salvation for each and every one. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Grounded Catholic. A big thank you goes out to John Cronstein for joining me this evening for this episode. It's not an easy topic to talk about. It's not an easy conversation to have, but through the guidance of the Holy Spirit is something that's quite necessary before we can change our words, change our actions, and more importantly, allow the Holy Spirit to change our hearts to be conformed to his so that we can love each other fully and totally uh, each and every day of our lives. As always, you can find more episodes of this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast or on our website, catholicwhos.org slash podcast. That's catholicwhos.org slash podcast. Please like and subscribe and share these episodes with, with those that you think would appreciate them. My final thought this evening is a simple one. Come Holy Spirit, renew the face of the earth. Amen.